Greetings, comic book nerds, and welcome to episode 29 of the Pull List Podcast, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is Chris Poirier, and with me, as always, is the one and only Hector. How's beep, it going, beep, Hector? Beep, beep. I'm, I'm good. Yeah, we, I'm good. we need a soundboard because that's just reality at this point in our lives. But no, that, that's I, I've resigned in my life. I'm always going to make my own air horn noises. It's going to be my yeah. <laughs> I mean, John not- Cena. <laughs> We are going to talk best of 2019 this week, so strap yourselves in and prepare yourselves for We've Got Comic Sign. As I just mentioned on today's episode of The Pull List, we're going to take a moment, slow down a little bit, and celebrate our favorite titles from 2019 and well maybe a couple that didn't quite turn out the way that we thought they were going to but welcome to 2020 it's time for the best of 2019 the pull list podcast i feel like maybe we should have had more air horns noises there but that's fine that's fine we've got a good most, most of us are just ready to let 2019 be gone so <laughs> right? Know. Most people are like, it's 2020. We have clear vision this year. Hey. Please stop. If I read that ever again, uh, I don't know. It's It's been a long 2020 in that respect already. So what we're going to do... I'm proud of all set, the churches that didn't put that on their signs. So. Yeah. I, I've literally <laughs> sat through three sermons already that way. No. And it, it, yeah, it makes me sad. And it makes me sad. Like, literally, some of my local churches are hashtagging 2020, and I'm like, ugh. <laughs> um, well, there's a Supertone song that I love, but it was about, like, perspective, and they made it not thinking we'd live to 2020, so it doesn't matter. No, that's that's a little different. So so there you go. You know, Hector and I do live in that in that world of faith, and it's interesting to see how those organizations are beginning their 2020. But... Let's look back. So setting things up for our listeners for this show, it's going to feel a little different, but we've done a best of show uh, from last year as well, and we're going to do our top three from Marvel, DC, and then a wonderfully broad other category because, you know, there's not like 40 trillion comic publishers that are out there. So I'm going to say this right now just to save us some time, some social medias that yeah, we're probably going to miss some things, and some of the most wonderful part about comics is, and our wonderful community that we have around the Pull List podcast is, you guys can hit us up and tell us how incredibly wrong we are. But it's like my voicemails, we don't actually read those. Yeah, what? Sorry. <laughs> um. Yeah, we filter that stuff out. But we love you guys, seriously. So... Hector, you want to kick us off, and we will jump into the best of 2019 Marvel, DC, other, and then a category that we'll speak less about once we get there. How sad to just that it's Marvel, DC, and other. I, I kind of sat there and went, this could be a two-hour show if we wanted it to be, and I also looked over my list, and actually, your list is pretty close. Nope, you have, you have exceptions. My list is entirely image <laughs> in the other category. I, I kind of... Ended up surprised at that, but yep, we can talk about that when we get there. So let's amaze the people with our comic prowess and what t- jumped out at us for 2019. All right. So first off, uh, for me, my 2019, and I'm going to, some of these won't be complete per se. Some of these will be like half of a year, not the full year. Um, Marvel's Immortal Hulk, it was... At the beginning of 2019, through the majority of 2019, one of my favorite Marvel books. Um, the whole Green Door arc, um, a lot of the stuff about that uh, Hulk is not just a biological component, that he's a, a almost demonic or satanic presence, that Hulk is a spiritual component as much as he is a destructive component. I really enjoyed that arc, and they did some stuff that... In all of my years, I've never seen pitched with Hulk, and I really enjoyed it. Mm. Um, but then, somewhere towards the end of 2019, like the last three or four issues, uh, they went on a hard, like they hit a like a real stopping point where they jumped in the future, like by billions of years. 
Um, and you B- spent B is in billion. Yeah, B is in billion. Um, where wow. yeah, where they jumped billions, where Hulk had gravitated from, uh, just a monster to like he would make Galactus look like Baby Yoda. Um, and, <laughs> and we got our first Baby Yoda reference of twenty twenty. Um, but no, it was like straight up like you were watching creatures on an atomic level fear Hulk at the end of time. Um, I was like, oh, and then comes back where Hulk is running a shield esque company. And I'm just like, you know, I'm out. Uh, but (laughs) comics, you have jumped yourself. Yes. Well, that was the thing. I enjoyed everything up until that point. And then after that point, I'm like, okay, I'm great. So everything leading up to, the stopping point where they take over the government organization was fantastic Hulk. Um, I might revisit it for free, but it is not three ninety nine worth um, or four ninety nine worth. Um, moving on, uh, my second favorite. <laughs> so moving right along. Now I'm not saying Hulk was my favorite Marvel, but these are my top three um, Marvel for the year. Um, Domino Hot Shots. I love me some Gail Simone. I need to hug her. Um, and her writing Domino was fantastic. She also produced some of the most touching Deadpool moments that I've like seen done. Um, and wow, incur- can we can we actually talk about that for a second? Because you use Deadpool and like touching moment in the same sentence, and it wasn't a bad pun or a dirty joke. Yeah. Now, thanks for ruining it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, but no, like there was like mo- like a moment where like. Yeah, there was a moment on a beach where, like, someone was, like, showing Deadpool kindness and compassion, like, just because beneath it all, he's good. And I was like, whoa. And then you got some nice Tony Stark action. You got some black... Honestly, it was some of the best Black Widow I've read. Um, And, but it was just a short story of uh, Domino and her squad dealing with a cosmic level problem it dealt a lot with character and honestly it was just a nice little cap off for what gail simone had done with domino and i was sad to see it go but being what they were about to do to domino in the upcoming x-men series i'm glad i got gail simone stuff while i did because seeing domino like be destroyed and permanently mutilated and suffering in x-men is not my favorite thing so uh they're doing well with it, but it's discouraging. Um, so I'll say Domino Hot Shots, which was the 2019 six-issue arc, but I will stand by all of Gail Simone's Domino was great. Um, so you can read Hot Shots alone, or you can back up and read it all. And then um, my other one was uh, Chip Zdarsky's Daredevil. Um, has continued to be really solid a great daredevil story they took wilson fisk in places i didn't expect um and continue to do so and they can save my bit it's on my (laughs) list too save save it for the podcast Uh, oh wait this is it podcast Um, we're doing it (laughs) we're doing it um but no it's like the the spiritual implications ramifications i mean if nothing else dude the conversation between daredevil and mr fantastic while they were playing chess was spiritual mm. gold um and that that was zadarsky right pretty sure because that was yeah yeah, I have yeah, to double yeah. Check, but i'm pretty sure it because it was early in the arc because that's when his first crisis of faith really hit was at the end of the first arc and beginning of the second arc and i think that's where they interjected um Mr. Fantastic, because, you know, we had Fantastic Four back for a while, and they've been spreading them out in the other books. So I'm pretty sure it was somewhere in the second arc. Okay. And so that was the thing for me, is, like, they took the greatness of Daredevil, his crisis of faith, and everything else, and they just made it something really solid and beautiful, and I loved it. And But, yeah, in that capacity, it straight up was one of the best daredevil runs i've read and what they've done with it has just been pure gold so i truly enjoyed that um and yeah i just think they've done really well with it um so that's my my top three daredevil um coming in somewhere near that would be uh 
X-Men's, you know, whole thing, but, you know, it, it, it didn't beat these three. Um, and yeah, so my favorite DC, or do you want to do your Marvel or we do my DC and just keep rolling? Yeah, I was just thinking about that and I think we're going to mix up the plan. So everyone's along for the ride, but yeah, I'll, let's do my Marvel and then, you know, we'll bounce back and forth because I know that we have some overlap, so that will be good in keeping all of the notes together. And so I did kind of put mine in order ish, but it's so, it's kind of like you said, it's so close on a lot of these titles that saying definitively, this is my favorite. I I might be okay in saying that Chip Zdarsky's Daredevil was my favorite Marvel um, series. And actually it's been my favorite book for almost, it. it's very close to, across the board one of my favorite titles just because like you said that the dealing with matt murdoch and daredevil and what those two personalities inside one person does becoming a serious crisis of faith for him has been a really amazing read and like you said we also have been getting this really crazy look at um kingpin that you just i did not expect from this book and it's continuing like I just caught up because I've been horrifically behind in reading comics um, and just read the last two issues. And I was like, whoa, I I almost kind of feel bad for Wilson in the current moment. But at the same time, no, I shouldn't. Because I think we mentioned it in either the last show or the one before that, that crazy episode of Wilson, like, you know, when Kingpin snaps, he usually snaps and paints a room with somebody's blood, and he literally did. Um, so this isn't a guy I should feel bad for, but when he kind of had to go to, you know, the current underworld bosses, if you will, and with his hat in hand to be like, yeah, I guess I kind of lost my cool. Like, there was a millisecond that I was like, oh, I kind of feel bad for this guy, but no, I shouldn't. I don't know. It was just really weird. Um but Sadarsky is writing some great character stuff, and I think we jokingly said this a few episodes ago of, we're talking about the guy that brought us sex criminals. <laughs> and it's just such a polar opposite writing position for him, and he can also be kind of zany in his stuff, like he's done with Spider-Man in the past, and this is just solid around everything. So I'm super happy with what Chip has done with Daredevil because honestly I was in love with Charles Sewell's run and Chip's yeah, that, already that's given how it. you got me on board in the first place I've been reading Daredevil We're, since you first pitched me on that law thing I'm still going to forever and always be like Charles Sewell like literally brought us Matt Murdock goes to Washington and that's just freaking great comics um, but that was last year. And I, I will say I think that, that's I think that's where I got you in. <laughs> it is, and just add to that, I can say this consistently: that picking up with Soul's run on Daredevil, Daredevil has been the most consistently well done comic book in the last three years. No, absolutely. From and creator, that- creator, hand to hand, um, even the low moments didn't make me want to quit. Right. And they even had that transition book that all of us are like, this is either going to be a really good idea or a really bad idea. And the continuity is intact. They completely changed artistic teams and the whole thing flows, which has been done in comics history, but I wouldn't say it's been done well in recent history. And this is a really great example. So Daredevil, definitely towards the top of my list. Now I'm going to say something probably not super popular or people aren't paying attention my number two is actually a spider-man book and i don't mean miles morales and i don't mean spider-man i mean the random spider-man that abrams uh jj abrams you've been on this thing since the beginning though right and but it's weird because i picked up issue number three of it I feel like this book is coming out every two months, maybe every three months at its current pace, which is really slow. But I read the third one and I'm like, no, that this I I'm actually going to sub to a Spider-Man book, um, which is something I pretty much didn't think I'd be doing in the near future, because as a former retailer that literally put like 11 different Spider-Verse titles on a rack week to week and just shook my head at 
there's too much. This book just makes me feel old school Spider-Man dude in college, um, college, high school, dealing with the realities of his powers and his family being totally jacked up is pretty much what this book is. And like I said at one point, so re-spoiler, um, the Avengers are gone in this continuity. Some terrible thing happened. There's tons of monuments to them, but we still don't really know what happened. So it's not like Sp- young Spidey can lean on uh, Tony Stark or any of the Avengers. They're gone. And I won't spoil anything because they show you a glimpse of kind of what's going on in issue three. So I will save that one for you. Um, but yeah, you just learned this. No Spider-Man, whoever puts on the suit with great responsibility and all that good stuff, just has their life jacked with in all kinds of ways. Um, and I'm really happy with it. So if you're looking for that old school Spider-Man, what Stan Lee and Ditko brought us of a kid having to balance everyday teenage life with, holy crap, I can stick to walls and I'm kind of super powerful now and not knowing what to do with that. That's what Abrams is currently doing with Pacelli, and it's freaking amazing. So three issues, and yeah, I'm in. I'm I'm subbing to a Spider-Man book, so sorry, not sorry. And then finally, because I think most people here know, um, we kind of lean towards the DC side of influence. What? Uh, yeah, maybe we've said that once or twice. Um not a lot of stuff has been jumping off the shelf at me from Marvel, and I have to be completely honest that I'm like, 2019, 2019, something happened I cared about, right? Y- yeah. Um, <laughs> so, Freaking that's savage. a downer. <laughs> a little bit. Um, but I do have to give credit where it is due. So, my number three was the House of X. Uh, Hickman set up for the return of a new X-Men line. And it was good. It was a great setup, and I thoroughly enjoyed it, and it made me want to read X-Men books again. Um, But I'll caveat now to kind of a conversation we are going to have is there's some stuff that did land kind of flat for Hector and I last year, and House of X, like, nailed it. Um, But I then feel like that didn't quite make it into the regular run in the way that I expected it to. And or it so did how, exactly how you X- expected it to. Well, yeah, you kind of did, unfortunately for me anyway. And I know that there's tons of X-Men fans out there that are really happy and that's good. That's the beauty of comics and fandom and everything is that we can like things for what they are. But house of X definitely sold me on at least what he's trying to do. And I'm not sure if the main line and everything going on continued it, but We'll see if it piques my interest again, and if they do an X event. I see that an X-Men and Fantastic Four cooperative-type book is coming, so that's either way too comic booky for me or exactly comic book for me. So we'll see what 2020 brings us on that front. For so, me personally, I think, I, I think X-Force, X-Men, and Marauders are the ones I'm still sticking with. Um, I think X-Force is the best of all of it. And I know that there are others that are still loving it and I will read them at, at time, but it's like you were talking to me about earlier. Is it worth the investment financially? And right. Yeah. Not right now. <laughs> all right. So that's Marvel. Now, just to let everybody know, as you're listening today, we are going to have all the links to all of our recommendations in the show notes. So if you miss something, Chris in passing, did our homework for us. Yeah, I do homework occasionally. I helped by being on the <laughs> microphone. Yeah, you did it. All Participation right, award. Let's talk about DC Comics and how difficult it was for both of us to narrow it down to three. Insert knuckle-cracking noises. Because I have arthritis <laughs> and I'm not trying to do that. All right. Um, here we go. Um, for me personally... And I stand by this 100%. I know the book's not done, but out of everything I read for 2019, Harleen was the best DC book, personally. Um, I'm totally there after reading number three. Right? Three was banging. Oh, my gosh. Um, So, first off, we'll leave Harley out of it for a second. What they did with Two-Face, consistently did with Two-Face. In the build-up, 
um, and the way he physically sees things to his counter voice, I have not seen Two Face done this well in his existence. Um, Actually, I, I really want this creative team to tell me that story after this. Right, I I would I will sub to this creative team doing a Two Face story all day long. Um, but what I'm actually interested, I want to see how they take other characters because if you can make because Two Face, Two Face for the most part in most people's renderings is just a dude with bad facial features and like a split personality. This dude is well done. Um, so there's that. Um, but honestly, when you, when I saw the pitch that they were basically making an extended edition of Batman Mad Love, I wasn't happy. I'm like, I'm not going to spend money on this. Um, uh, <laughs> womp, womp. womp womp. But dude, it is consistently the best, um, storytelling. The writing is fantastic. I am about this all freaking day long. Um, and like, I like I find myself like taking pictures and posting memes or sending it like, Oh, this line connects well with this friend. And I'll like send them photos. And like, I, I bought copies of these books to give to friends that I think would like it. And you know, it's, it's on that level. Um, I firmly stand by it. So Harleen to me is hands down the best DC book of the year. Um, and I'll, 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 I'll leave that in my number one position. Um, nice. Uh, these two, well, okay, my second, uh, would be Tom King's run on Batman. Um, and, uh, I say that with the caveat of, uh, (laughs) I know it wasn't perfect this year. Um, I know that the, like the, I went back through and looked at what took place in, the actual time span of 2019 in this book. And I will say this, it is not the strongest year for this story. Um, but there were still moments that are worth it in this calendar year that still make it one of the best books. And adding to the fact that it's the culmination of Tom King's amazing run collectively on Batman, it's absolutely worth the time and the money. Um, something like that's the thing on on the flip side. It also contains the nightmares arc, and it also contains um some stuff. We're still like, dragging around Martha's body, and we don't know why. Yeah, it, like there's that stuff. We're like dragging Martha's body around. <laughs> like uh, there's the stuff in there. Uh, man, that's six months ago. I don't care. Um, <laughs> they also killed Alfred. Merry Christmas. No. Um, that that was. That's probably the most depressing part of this run that you you did take a very significant character from us and to be completely honest I was I I think they wrapped that side of the story really well. They did. And here's the thing. I honestly don't feel like Batman and Catwoman got the shine they deserved this year because of how tight the story had to be. Um yep. I think seeing Gotham under the control of the villains and Bane was fun. I think seeing Thomas Wayne's Batman consistently as a character was great. Um, Gotham Girls' villain arc and Gotham Girls' redemption arc are life. Um, If nothing else, Tom King's contribution of Gotham Girl from issue 1 to 85 is worth every penny of this. Um... I loved her storyline. I can, loved... can we also just be really honest that we we got Kite Man? <laughs> Kite Man. I mean, okay. Uh, as I'm watching like the animated Harley show, um, that's the are... only reason I mentioned this. <laughs> um, as I'm watching the animated Harley show, Kite Man is a fixture, and it's all because of Tom King. Um, yeah, it's and... it's his tagline. Kite Man's been around for a long time, y'all, but. Um... Tom King has put Kite Man on a different level. Well, we've also seen Condiment King back and yep, animated series for life, man. Well, I, that might actually be in um, was that Tom King? I don't know. There's a lot of comic books that go in this. Head. He pulled uh, Condiment King forward, but Condiment King is another one of those that's just fascinating. Yeah, um, but I I stand by this. Uh, this year was great for that, and honestly, um, 
the we got the seventy fifth issue, right? We got issue seventy five, like the mm. big issue seventy five with that, and um, we got um, you know just just everything with Gotham Girl, the way they did it, the death of Alfred, um, more them being savage with Bane. It was worth it. Um, so that's my number two, and my number three is Superman Year One. Um, I don't know what has happened, but Frank Miller's good again. Um, and I will say that consistently across the board. Frank Miller is cranking out gold in this time frame. Um, to me, Superman Year One, I am so done to death of Superman origin stories and retellings and stuff like that. But <laughs> I right. thoroughly enjoyed Superman Year One. It was interesting. It was creative. It was stuff I didn't expect from Superman. It was stuff I've never seen in Superman. And honestly, I didn't know it was over. Um, the, It's only a three-issue <laughs> book. And it ends without ending. Like, it ends with Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman like running off into stuff. But I legit sat around for two or three months. When's the next issue coming out? And then I'm like, it's over? And I was like, dramatically wounded. I laid my head on my desk in despair despair because I didn't realize the book was done. Um, But it's worth it. I will buy that junk in hardback. I will put it on my shelf um, because it was freaking worth it. Um, So that's my DC. How about you, sir? Well, we definitely shared two in common that Batman, uh, Tom King's Batman wrapping up for no other reason, like you said, than the f- simple fact that we just got an 85-issue run from Tom King that, sure, had some highs and lows, but across the entire run was pretty solid and was a single story with very minor deviation with some very, very deep narratives and character building along the way that the only thing that I was semi-disappointed in is this was supposed to be a 100-issue run, and issue 85 showed where it had to stretch a little bit to fit <laughs> clearly we're either missing or whatnot at least two more arcs but now granted there is going to be a bat and cat book that comes out that hopefully kind of continues the ties things up a bit but you know issue 86 was kind of it was very clear a new team came on board and they took a step at a 90 degree angle but it's still it's still present but it definitely had a different feel to me. So I still give Tom a ton of credit for what he and multiple artists across this were able to pull together because it, it should not go unrecognized for the total package. And King told an absolutely bonkers Batman story that I think is going to be pretty well established for a while now. And Harleen, absolutely the same thing. That book has absolutely blown my mind from the beginning that – I, I didn't feel like I needed another Harley, you know, origin story type thing. And I'm not angry at this at all, that it is probably one of the most solid, succinct tellings to date that is a absolutely beautiful to look at and B seems kind of practical at how Joker's Harley too pretty. And, That's my only complaint, but go ahead. Yeah. He, he is definitely, you know, um, daytime television, pretty, um, and yeah right you just got that that's good um that the story makes sense how she ends up where she ends up you you're actually kind of along for the ride of her own psychosis of buying into the thing but is it an act or isn't it an act is well played so even if you know this story you need to read this you need to read Harleen because you might be surprised how you end up there. And then just like Hector has said, it's also the best Two-Face story we've gotten in like forever in terms of visuals and just the story. Um, So I showed up for a Harley Joker story, skeptical, and I've gotten an amazingly drawn book with a great narrative with Harvey Dent literally going insane in the middle of it and starting to flip coins and, erase people so it's it's a great great read for kind of my expanded i kind of had like two runners up for third place because i'm indecisive like that and i can't follow my own rules um but similar to have nice things 
it's not, and we have to take it on out on you, the listener, um, that Batman didn't, you know, start in 2019. Well, my next choice and another Tom King is Heroes in Crisis was a mini. It was a nine issue and a majority of it made it into 2019. And so I want to mention it because of how it ends. And that's really important to me because we finally read kind of a PTSD story of heroes here in this examination of characters and what superheroes actually go through and day to day. And it was a fascinating read. Now I kind of wish it had more of an impact in our universe and there is some pieces that are still present. Um, but there's so much else going on in the DC universe. I kind of feel like a lot of people are going to forget that this book was 2019. Um, and just the story being centered on blue beetle and booster gold still warms my heart. And that's why it's going to get a mention here. No matter what is if you want something, Tom King's deep visceral writing, this is a pretty good adventure for you to go on. And so I'm pretty sure we might have even mentioned it in 2018 because of the setup, but this is another, it, it's got to be mentioned again because of where it ends and what impact that has on the characters involved. And then well, finally, did, like, hmm? well, like so much of it is so like the imagery with just the subtle text is so haunting. Like mm-hmm. the one image of Harley crumpled in Batgirl's arms, like that's been burned in my retinas since watching this or um like harley laying on the floor beside booster gold saying i'm not good at superheroing <laughs> and i'm like right and, and it was like me too and i'm like i will treasure that moment in comics so and it's so true um but yeah but it's a good one it's an important reality so my runner up in dc for same reason didn't start in 2019 but it ended is Warren Ellis is the wild storm. And I know folks have heard me mention wild storm before. And the only reason it makes an honorable mention here is, you know, we wrapped up 24 issues of bringing back the wild storm imprint universe of characters. Um, you know, that was an image thing, Jim Lee and telling this crazy story, bringing all of these characters back and integrating them into a universe that we're going to see more of. I just felt for those of you that love that 90s nostalgia of what the Wildstorm was, which is, you know, lots of spandex, lots of super crazy aliens and secret government stuff. It was a great book. It was full of action. There was crazy panels throughout the entire thing. Very well drawn. And you're I'm a Warren Ellis fan, and I think most people would probably agree that you're either a Warren Ellis fan or you're not. Um, (laughs) I'm not sure there's a lot of middle ground on on Warren's work, but The Wildstorm was tons of fun. It it brought the 90s forward in all of the good ways and less foil covers, but it was just, it was a happy place for me and because it wrapped up and I felt it wrapped pretty well that it was worth an honorable mention on DC's list for this year. So regale us with your other category because you did way better than me in terms of spreading it out across some of the other publishers. All right. So hands down, maybe hands down. I say that with trepidation. (laughs) Maybe hands. Here we go. Maybe hands close to down. Yeah. Um, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. Um, (laughs) Uh, my favorite other this year or of 2019 was Steeple. Um, and it was a random pick and, uh, my local comic book shop owner actually ridiculed me for picking it up. And I'm like, why you, (laughs) I'm like, bro, I'm trying to buy books from you. The crap are you doing? Um, (laughs) but like I walked in and. I was looking through the new comics and there was this thing with steeple and it had a young girl in a priest collar, um, looking fearful, like in a comical manner. And I'm like, I was like, Hey bro, you got steeple number one. He's like, he walked over hand. He's like, are you getting this just cause it's got like crosses and Jesus on it? And I'm like, eh, no, maybe, maybe. No. Okay. <laughs> um, maybe, but 
it's only five issues, and if I read the thing correctly, they ended it on a cliffhanger, and it just might not get continued. And if that's the case, that's sad, because um, they did not resolve the story completely. But uh, it's the story of, if, if I'm getting all of my liturgical and theological doctrinal De, de, uh, what's the not? Those are none of the right words. Um, denominational. Yeah, you just, the, there we liturgical go. is a big word for this podcast, man. Yeah, um, <laughs> but there's there's liturgy. Um, but it's it's about. I, I, the thing is, it's not my branch of Christianity, so I don't want to screw up saying it's the wrong one. Um, That's fair. Yeah, uh, don't, don't do that. <laughs> um, but denominally, denominationally, it's a British seaside town. So I believe it's the Anglican Church, um, and that feels right uh, based on what you've said so far. Yeah, and so there, a young Anglican priest—it's a girl—is um, sent to this tourist seaside town to help a priest who is struggling. And now it's not like the normal priest struggles; he's struggling because every night. Demons from the ocean rise, climb the cliffs of this seaside town, and the priest literally spends each night physically beating demons. Like, and so this young girl walks in to basically be the youth pastor, and like the priest is like, "Man, I'm freaking tired of beating demons in the face." <laughs> and it's like, it's like what you the shouldn't crap? call the children that. Um, and it's like the crap is happening, and then her car, because I guess the town is possessed by evil, um, her car blows up the minute she crosses the city limits, and it just so happens that uh, her, the person that gives her a ride is basically the youth pastor for the Church of Satan. Oh, dang. And so sh- she becomes best friends with the youth pastor for the Church of Satan. And... Uh, it's them literally sitting around having coffee, bouncing ideas off of each other to the point where like the church of Satan girl actually starts like giving her good ideas for her youth group. (laughs) And (laughs) you've got like this youth pastor trying to like get in cool with the youth kids at the same time, there's literally demons being fought at sea. And, um, to the point where the, the book ends where, uh, the the good the the young youth pastor Anglican priest girl uh, is questioning her faith or she's questioning her validity like she doesn't think she's good enough to keep following God and the Church of Satan girl like realizes that she's pursuing the wrong thing and she actually wants to become a Christian and join the church and replace the youth pastor and so it's just like this thing where you've got this church culture and this satanic culture, like literally crisscrossing each other. And, uh, it's humorous. It's, it manages to have church jokes and stuff without being, uh, blasphemous or negative towards faith. Um, and it was just straight up one of the most fun and interesting reads. Um, I actually got a little bit of spiritual encouragement out of it. Um, huh. And But there's only five issues, and issue five just came out at the beginning of 2020. And I wholeheartedly look forward to this book. Um, it's one of the straight up most interesting off-ball things I've ever read in comics. And so, steeple. Um <laughs> If none of that, I will definitely be looking for a a trade of that because you've mentioned it a few times, and I was just like, that sounds absolutely insane. If none of that, how I pick comics. If none of that blatantly like makes you want to run and scream and like throw holy water on your iPod, you know, this is it's for you. Um, Because like you know, even the youth pastor girl's like, you came to my event. I'll I'll be supportive and come to yours. And then she's like, you don't want to be here and all these things it's just it was fun um it was fun uh so there was that now these the other ones will take less time for me the other others were um let's see where's my others uh and i know it's a separate category i know it maybe doesn't quite fit into what we're doing but it's our podcast and you can't stop me um i think it's fair but go ahead uh my hero people yeah my hero academia is manga 
for 2019 has been fantastic. Um, those of you who watch the anime, um, what you're watching now in the anime is actually the manga from 2019. Like they are just like the show is neck and neck with the book. And so the Lemillion arc, um, Lemillion's big stuff that you're seeing play out right now on television, uh, right right now is in January, 2020. Um, that stuff. I didn't realize they were that close. Oh no, no, they were completely that close. Um, the Lemillion arc was January or February of 2019. Okay. Um, Got you. So it's, it's close, man, but it's, it's just fantastic. And, you know, I don't have to sales pitch you. If you enjoy my hero academia, you should read the manga because it at least gets you like a year ahead of the show. Um, but also there's stuff to look forward to because I know it hasn't happened yet on the show and I don't know if they'll do it on the show, but there's an arc where after you get through all this heavy stuff that's happening on the show right now, there's an arc where uh, they have an assignment to put on a school thing and you get the cast of my hero putting on a full band concert where Bakugo is the drummer and Deku (laughs) is like a fresh B-boy line dancer. Um, And it's, it's, it's completely worth it. And um, yeah, it's fantastic. So, if plus you want to see, ultra. Yeah, it's completely plus ultra. So read the manga. It's great. It's one of my favorite comic book buys. Uh, it comes out usually every three months in trade form. And you can pick it up there um, at your local shop if they at carry your local manga. comic book shop. Yep. Yep. Um, and then the other one is uh, Walking Dead for 2019. Walking Dead ended in uh, around June or July of 2019. And I, if if you listen to our podcast, which obviously you are, um, the beginning of 2019 has me being a douche and complaining that Walking Dead's not going anywhere and it's going to go on forever and it's boring and I hate it. Um, and where I <laughs> womp 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 womp, um, because I actually gave up on Walking Dead six issues before it ended. Um, so I feel like a tool. Um, <laughs> Robert Kirkman totally pulled your card. He pulled my card. I actually uh, did a, ch- a Bible or a church service on that at a Comic Con, and that's actually the chapter I'm currently writing in the next Faith and Fandom book. Is you know how I gave up on it too soon, um, but honestly, The Walking Dead just it gets my third other spot just sheerly for the climax and the resolution of the story. Um, Walking Dead 193 straight up ends with like a 20 year jump in the future um, where Carl Grimes is reading his father's story to his daughter and Mm. uh, about, and it plays out like he's reading a golden book of the walking dead um, where he's telling her about his father's sacrifice and unity and what happens when people get lost in dark spots. And he's just sitting in a rocking chair reading the story of Rick Grimes to his daughter and I freaking love it. Um, so I would give it my third spot just for that issue alone. But again, 193 issues of build up story. It's when you climax the story, when you fully like realize the vision of it, it always gets a spot in my place. When I see a story end well, you're going to get my praise. And so flipping cheers, Robert Kirkman. Yeah. What what about you? So I apparently just decided to give all of my love to Image, but that's kind of a misnomer seeing as Image is technically a bunch of different individual creators and everything, but it says a lot about what's happening at Image across the board. And I, I had some trouble narrowing some things down, but one of my absolute love affairs over at image has been the descender and now ascender series from jeff lemire and he pivoted at the end of descender into literally changing generations in the story to the next generation um in ascender and it's just been excuse me very very enjoyable that the art is all this watercolor base that's just been amazing and really caught on during Descender. And 
Descender was a space opera kind of story, if you will. And Ascender kind of crosses into like a family type story, which is just really. This book has definitely caught me in the feels like more than once. And I know I've said that for folks that have read. So go all the way back and start at Descender. But for 2019, it's Ascender. And it's the same space story with the robots and the humans and lots of other crazy aliens, except this universe that was devoid of anything kind of fantastical on the magic side suddenly has this influx of magic and they're kind of playing out what that does in this universe. And I think we're getting a lot of character building still, but Jeff just tells an amazing fantasy story that seems somehow grounded in like, I don't know. It's, it's sci-fi, but it's sci-fi fantasy. And it's just a beautiful book and just telling a great story. So you need to pick that up. Um, the rest of mine are kind of like, this is all my conglomeration. But we we have to talk about Die, um, which was another fantasy-based book from another side of the Image universe and has been talking about this group of kids that literally are stuck in a... RPG style game and the impacts of what's going on between the real world and what's going on in the fantasy world. Another book that's absolutely gorgeous to look at. There's dragons, there's fantasy, there's rolling of dice. So it kind of has all the things that I personally enjoy. So, but I know lots of folks have really enjoyed die as well. And I think even though we've mentioned it and, you know, it seems kind of wrong but or difficult for us to place it on the list. Um, the series Unnatural did wrap up. Yeah, he he gets it um, in 2019. And I know Hector and I have talked about it a ton before. And I, I have to mention it because it was a really amazing story. Yes, again, for the 40,000th time, it is definitely a mature book. It has mature themes in it. But that story was really a lot of fun. And it ends and kind of has a question mark at the end of it that it may return. So either way, the story ends up, I think it was 12 full issues. So it's a great arc. Um, the art is amazing, but just be aware, not for the kiddos, but is a great story front to back. And it is self-contained, but leaves itself open for possibly telling another story in the future. So, and then finally, I I do have kind of my throwaway. If none of you read the book crowded this year. It is crazy. It's literally in a future where you have like a Tinder app, except for murdering people for putting hits on people. And it's a story following a person that's been, um, basically, um, crowdsourced for assassination, trying to avoid literally the world trying to make a payday with, their picture on their phone so it's this future where you know killing people is wrong um and it is against the law but if you get put up on the app you get paid so there's all kinds of weirdness over apparently how violence towards people that get put on a random app is okay but you know future um it is as insane as it sounds and that's the point and i think that's why i actually enjoyed this read across the year because it's just bonkers. And also, we, we probably shouldn't create a crowdsourced assassination app because I think it's probably a really, really bad idea. But made for fun comics. Um, so I think that is like all of the wonderful stuff from Hector in my brain. But we, we don't always want to dwell on the good and the bad. But there are a few things that we felt that you probably didn't hear us talk about and it's because it kind of ended up on our, well, this probably could have been better list. And so we should spend our last couple minutes talking about a couple titles that I guarantee a lot of folks are like, wait, you didn't talk about. Well, that's because, well, reasons. Books accept. So, yeah. So do, do you want to kind of frame that for us? And that'll be our final kind of section for the, the good and the bad of 2019. So let's just say it this way. Um, this isn't to be just straight up negative and say these books are bad. Nope. Um, nope. In fact, many of them had good stuff in them in my mind. But every book on this list has stuff that was praised at some point. Um, 
by us by us um and and others and but yeah it i think hector and i both just felt like well but it kind of felt uh at the end of the day at the end of the day every issue we read costs us at least three dollars probably five yep. and yep. so when you have a year's worth of books that you know are terrible or that end well, or that lose their focus, or that don't have a payoff, virtually you've wasted hundreds of dollars just for an experience that, you know, wasn't great. When I look at the fact that you get a video game with 40 hours of content for 50 bucks or 60 bucks, versus you get maybe an hour of reading for 60 bucks, it's hard to justify and to feel good about spending money on books that don't satisfy. So... Here are some books that, or series that kind of lost us along the way. First up, and you actually were the first person to be vocal about this to me, was that uh, you were not thrilled with the concept of Year of the Villain. You thought that things were going to get lost, that things were going to get muddled. 2019 for DC was framed that it was going to be the Year of the Villain, and you voiced the concern that you thought that we were going to lose sight and things were going to get cloudy. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, womp womp. Um, stories that had no part or relevance to this all of a sudden had random people shining green lights in the sky just so they can say it tagged. Or villains were getting <laughs> right. OP. Now, I will say this. Some of the year of the villain solo books were glorious. The Riddler's year of the villain book was one of my favorite books of the year. Um, but then there were other books that were just not great. Um Black Adam's Year of the Villain book was one of my favorites. Those two were fantastic, but everything else having to tie in to Lex Luthor mutating and trying to be like a weird DC Santa Claus for villains was like, <laughs> right. I was just like, here's exactly the thing that you need and want my child. And I was like, cool. Did, does, does this have an impact at any point? I mean, it, it slightly did. It does, but yeah, um, I didn't want to read 37 books to find out why. Or have other stuff pushed back because of it. So DC's right. pulling the year of the villain, uh, put the cart before the horse. It uh, force-fed some stuff that didn't need to happen, and it took away from books that would have been great. It did give us some gems, and I'm grateful for those gems. But uh, I would have been much happier to have my beautiful comic covers without the ugly green and purple imprint at the top. And without weird mutant Lex Luthor looming in the shadows. Um, And let's just like connect the tissue here because this is part of what kind of drove me crazy about it as well is we went into 2019 being told doomsday clock, doomsday clock. It's going to change everything. And then you're the villain came out and then most of the creative team at DC said, oh, no, 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 no. 2019 is about you're the villain. I was like, whoa, hold up. (laughs) <laughs> we, we we just got pitched on Dr. Manhattan slash Doomsday Clock is going to change literally the fabric of the DC universe. And well, spoiler alert, you did. But it seemed completely pointless at the end of the day when technically we had Lex Luthor in the other side of the exact same universe basically meddling in this highway that a super crazy, intelligent, all-seeing, all-knowing being doesn't seem to have been aware <laughs> that was taking place in his universe so if you missed it doomsday clock ends up kind of on our list of what wh- why did i just wait almost a year and a half for what was supposed to be 12 straight months because doomsday clock had some great moments in it the art was amazing i love watchmen i'm going to show up for a watchmen party and i did um but at the end of the day it seemed kind of like why are we here? And that's not a good look when that's what was driving that event the entire time. Outside um, of uh, the um, marionette and the mime? Or no, what is it? The Is that it? Yeah, no, that's yeah. right. Outside of marionette and the mime, I don't think that this book added anything of lasting importance. Um, Like, realistically, like, I know it changed stuff in the DC Universe, but honestly, dude, I can't tell you what it was without going back to reread it. Um... I just feel like it was so hyped and under-delivered. And as I mentioned to you, it's hard to enjoy 
a Watchmen book that's struggle busing in the shadow and the light of a Watchmen show that's excelling in every capacity. I agree. And I'm curious how much of the two influenced each other because I hit the end of the last issue well after seeing the HBO show going, Oh, that's interesting. Cause it, we don't want to get into too much spoiler if you haven't hit the end of that. So you can come to your own conclusion, but there did seem to be some cross pollination there. And I don't know if it was on purpose or totally not on purpose, but it's a little confusing given the fact that a lot of Watchmen fans are going to absorb both. Yeah. So, but that, good. Yeah. No, you're, you're right. It's that those two things side by side kind of ended up being slightly confusing and whatnot. And I, I guess we then draw the little, we'd bring the little piece of yarn across the corkboard to event Leviathan for basically the uh. same reason. <laughs> right? felt like such an utter waste of money and time and like red hood and all the things it just was like why did this happen and it affects nothing it was a payoff with a villain literally no one knows who he was and it was just like why did this happen cool we got the question for a minute great we made Lois Lane look gritty sure did it matter no Man, it looked like I, every month it looked like I was reading a Destiny spinoff because that dude freaking looked like Cade Six or something. And <sighs> no, absolutely. So it's one of those things of we, we love DC. You've heard us say that over and over again. But all these major events seem to feel very strange in a universe that developed a bunch of really good stories in Rebirth. That Rebirth was a super solid change for DC. And this, all these things are clearly pushing towards what the future is for DC. But now I'm kind of really confused what that future is. So um, it's a good example of how event books can either be a really great underpinning for trying to arc your entire universe in a direction or the occasional of what on earth just happened and why. Um, and that happens a lot in comics. It's not, a, it's not abnormal. So sometimes you just got to kind of take that with a grain of salt and be like, cool, that was the thing On to the next. So DC and did a thing the, and on to the next, <laughs> by the way, let's point out for all of our Marvel fans, that was three negatives for DC and none right. for Marvel outside of the, the X-Men dive off. Right. Um, and then the last one for me on my uh, disappointments for the year was Firefly. Um, Chris and I, Chris and I are brown coats. If you're not aware of that, means you're not one. But a brown coat, is a, <laughs> a brown coat uh-huh. is a Firefly fan. Um, one of us. We, we, yeah, we love Firefly. Chris loves Firefly. It's visible if you go in his house. Um, I have a kid named after a fly, a Firefly character. Um, Literally, Faith and Fandom started because of Firefly. I mean, Firefly is kind of life. And, um... Uh, obviously. Obviously. And we were both really excited for when uh, Greg Pak uh, took on Firefly. And, honestly, the first, like, two or three issues were really, really promising. Um, I was so happy to get more Shepard Book and Jane and, uh, you know, to see... The, the main cast of characters united it in doing their thing. And then, guys, it just lost it. Um, the whole unification war thing again. The fact that Ma Reynolds has a spinoff book. Um, like That was a thing. That was a thing. Um, because my I guess my canon knowledge was off, but I thought Ma Reynolds was dead. And um, based on how we talked about her on Our Mrs. Reynolds... All that being said, we were so hopeful. And because we were so hopeful, that makes it that much more disappointing. To the point where I'm at the place where I am not going to buy the... I'm done. Like, there is new Firefly happening. And I'm not touching it. Because it's lost me that bad. Oof. 
I mean, I do share in this a bit. I'm probably going to keep reading because I, I, I deep down want it to, to, to turn a corner, but the whole Ma Reynolds thing and basically that that's setting up the next arc does kind of leave me in a weird spot, but it, it was one of those that it started out so promising and then it was like, where are we going? There's a there's a lot of weird things going on here, but it's comics. Comics do that. That's fine. Um, and I suppose kind of rounding it out, because you mentioned it briefly, that, you know, because we have to give Marvel some love in this list, otherwise people would think we're not feeling well, um, that I basically mentioned it earlier that I think kind of the misstep for, for them this year was, at least for me, um, and we've said that throughout, that these are, you know, our humble opinions, that... House of X was such a great setup to a potential universe that seemed to forget where it was going really fast. Um, and then drowned itself in tons of tie-in books and expanded things that from what I've heard from many folks that kept trying to keep up, that it is kind of required reading if you kind of want to know what's going on. And You have I to just spend at least out. $60 a month just on X-Men books to keep up. And that's a problem. See, and yeah, as a former retailer, you know, part of me is like, yay, money. But then the other part is like, I can't realistically ask somebody to spend $60 to keep up with a single title when my goal is hopefully you're reading across all publishers and have found cool things and are spending like $100, $150 a week on good stuff. Um, but um, I get that that's not reality for many. So that ends up being discouraging typically for for buyers more so than positive and also as a fan that makes my wallet cry and that does not make me happy so it's again i've kind of said it a lot during the disappointments but it's kind of the reality of at the end of the day it kind of the excuse is well that's comics it's just kind of what happens in the ebb and flow and i sit here in the middle and go do better you can do better, so do better. <laughs> Stop doing it. Just because you've done it doesn't mean that it's good. Um, but we are ultimately in a great place for comics in 2020 that everyone's writing the, oh, the industry's already sliding again, but they write that article pretty much every January and talking about the last year. Comics as a physical item, and even with digital, is still a billion-plus-dollar entertainment industry. So it seems kind of like, oh, no, comics are failing while they're sitting there with their Scrooge McDuck bins of money. Um, it's like, calm down. Keep writing good stories. Keep doing amazing art. And the fans are going to come. And no matter what type of thing you're into, there's probably a comic book out there for you. And that was kind of, you know, Hector and I do have some specific tastes and we try to expand that as we bring you guys new titles and everything, but that's just why we love comics. There's so many different options. There's so many different things going on. And even in the things that disappoint us, we probably got something out of the experience. And that's the point of the Pull List podcast. So we hope that you Disappointing guys Disappointing things that it'll give you an experience? Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> hey, up, up, update the tagline. We're there. Welcome to the Pool List Podcast. We're something disappointing that'll give you an experience. Strap in. Strap in. It's good because we love you. Is that what it is? Anyway, thank you guys for listening. Um, this has been our best of 2019. Again, all the links, all of them, will be in the show notes so you can see what we're talking about if you weren't following any of these series or you want to pick something up. And also remember, you know, jump in the community at Love Thy Nerd, the Love Thy Nerd community on Facebook, and tell us, you know, what we missed, what you disagreed with. We'll ignore those, but we'll definitely like and love all the things that you agreed with us because that's how the internet works. Um, but that's going to do it for us here at the Polis Podcast. Episode 29, best of 2019 is in the canon now in your ears, but we couldn't possibly do any of this alone. As many of you know, we take this journey of podcast and fandom with two other amazing podcasts that are a part of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. Humans of Gaming, which is brought to you by Drew and Chris. They do interviews with game designers, producers, and creators and really get to the heart of why those people do what they do. And then finally, with Matt, Kate, and Bubba, we have the Free Play Podcast that covers just about every other nerdy thing in between. And 
it's a lot of fun. It's super funny. You should be checking both of those shows out. And we just go on this wonderful journey of faith, fandom, and all kinds of other wonderful things with Love Thy Nerd, and we're just thankful for them. So be sure to check them out or to see us on the road at a convention this year. Look for Love Thy Nerd shirts everywhere. You'll see us. We're out and about. We are in your community. So thanks, guys. Seriously, Hector and I just love each and every one of you, and we're glad that you call us your primary source of all things comic booky and generally nerdy on, well, uh, mostly weekly basis, biweekly, sort of. And that'll be picking up here in 2020. And so don't leave us hanging. Rate, review the show, share it with your friends. If you enjoy what you're hearing, you know, share it and... You know, come and listen to us, because occasionally we're good, right? Hope so. But we're on the iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and so many more. Seriously, thanks for listening, and remember, kids, read more comics.